0: Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What a beautiful throw by the Baker! Victor vista, baby! Touchdown! Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host. Jake Burns, we are going to talk through the Browns' 33-29 loss to the Chiefs one more time by talking about the defensive side of the football. Before we do so, though, once again, I will remind you about TickPick, T-I-C-K, P-I-C-K, and the opportunities they have as the original no-fee site. If you run into another place that offers the same seat for cheaper, they will 100% match that offer up to 110%. Again, TickPick is the original no-fee sites. If you're going to these other sites, you're finding tickets that are double the price because they have the ridiculous fees at the end. You can avoid that with Tick pick. What you see is what you get. It's a fantastic offer. You're, just, you're still trying to get tickets for the Texans game, still trying to go to the Bears game the following week or the Cardinals uh, a couple weeks later. You have awesome opportunities by using TickPick, and that's promo code BREAKDOWN when you go to TickPick.com. You can get directly there with the promo code by going to TickPick.com slash BREAKDOWN. So take advantage of that offer today. Again, TickPick.com. Let's transition over and talk about the Browns' collective performance, right? We need to talk about how they played in this game, and it was a disappointing one. And if you recall, we've talked defense. We've gone through it. Uh, if you recall, the, uh, the, the the point I made all week, you know, whether I was talking to Chiefs people or talking to, you know, our own people that I bring on this podcast was that the Browns have to get to five touchdowns. I thought if they got to five touchdowns, they had a realistic shot to win this football game, right? Uh, the problem was uh, they, they started out hot. Well, listen, I got to make a disclaimer too. I'm recording in a hotel one more time, maybe even tomorrow night again. There's the highway outside the room. If you hear that, that's... It's out of my control. I can't can't help the noise. But um, when we're looking at this game, the Browns had nine possessions, right? They had nine possessions, and I thought they needed to get five touchdowns. Very much on track to do so. Three first-half touchdowns, a touchdown in the third quarter. Every Again, every opportunity to put the points on the board necessary to win this football game. So they end up with, again, as you look at total yards collectively, 457 yards on 56 plays. Over 65, sorry, over 70% of those plays, okay, 70% of those plays had shifting or motion. They're, they're clearly in a position to be comfortable with what they're doing, and the shifting motion stuff was deadly in this game. It put the Chiefs in so many, so many tough positions to handle what the Browns are doing, and they're dictating how many people they get in the box. They're dictating coverages. Listen, it's fantastic stuff here. It was so efficient. Until they needed it most. 8.2 yards per play, 153 net rushing, 304 passing, which is, again, fantastic balance. Five penalties, not all of those attributed to the offense. They did end up punting two times, what should have been two times, but they scored four touchdowns, didn't kick a field goal, ended up with 27 minutes and 13 seconds of possession. So, again, 457 yards is usually enough to win you a football game in the NFL. But in this situation, the way the fourth quarter played out, you know, the way that we're well, really the second half in, entirely played out, the three turnovers that resulted, you you can't get the fifth touchdown you needed to win that game. So that's what I'm sure the offense is beating themselves up about at this point. You look at the metrics from the game, pretty solid offensive line performances. We'll talk through let's talk through snap count totals first. Obviously, Baker, Wyatt Teller, Nick Chubb, Joel Batonio, J.C. Treader play every single snap. Jedrick Wills would have also played every single snap, but his 39 uh, snaps he missed went to Chris Hubbard, as we know. And then Jed obviously played 20, uh, and then there was another snap given to somebody I'm missing. But, yeah, the, the 59 snaps would have been the number for, for Hubbard. So... Well, that yeah, I guess if if Jake could do basic math, 39 snaps for Hubbard and 20 snaps for Jed does make up the number. Collectively, I thought the snap count stuff got really interesting with the wide receivers. Donovan Peoples Jones plays 47 really silent snaps. Right, he played a ton. Jarvis Landry played a ton, 51 snaps. So those are your two predominantly useful wide receivers. Okay. Those are the guys that are right now are seeing the field most. The thing that I think surprised everybody in this game, Anthony Schwartz saw 31 snaps. Some in the slot, but a lot of them wide, right? A position we thought Richard Higgins was going to see a lot of time playing. Didn't see Richard Higgins very much at all. Only saw Higgins in four total plays. So that is the surprise. Like I don't know if they were... Uh, playing games with us. I know Schwartz didn't play in the preseason, but there was never any collective hype from camp or anything about the young man when he came back. I'm just telling you, he belonged. Like, route nuance, wiggle, pressing down, closing gap, distance between DB. It wasn't just the deep route stuff. He belongs. Like, I was blown away by how much he belongs and was among the best rookie wide receivers in the NFL in week one and 82.2 collective offensive grade. 79.7 in the passing phase. I think there's something there there. I really do. And again, it's not just lifting the top off the defense. There were plays that he left on the field. No doubt miscommunication right before halftime could have had a touchdown. Obviously we know the corner route ball that he went up for in the fourth quarter, maybe would have wanted to come down with that one, but I'm telling you the route stuff looks good. The, the, the nuances of it, like I said, getting off the getting off press, being able to beat somebody with a three-step inside stem, you know, an inside-out release that creates separation right away. Like, it's there. I'm writing it up. You'll see it tomorrow on the OBR or today at this point whenever you listen to this podcast. Like, I will—I left really impressed with Anthony Schwartz. And if this is the guy they have, we got to have another discussion about the future of this wide receiver room and how it all could shake out. Again, one week, like... Stupid overreactions can happen, but that's an impressive debut. And sometimes you can just tell, right? Sometimes you can just tell. And I think you can a little bit. So we're gonna dive into position by position here in a minute. The the number one star of this game for me offensively, and I, I just loved how they used him was David Njoku, who who grades out at an 83.9 offensively, 88.5 in the passing phase. Solid in run blocking when he had to, or sorry, pass blocking. He had five pass block snaps, 74.4, and good enough in the run phase. 14 run blocking snaps, a 54.0. The two penalties are not attributed to him. Pro Football Focus gave him those illegal motion penalties. Those are on the quarterback. Both of those are on Baker, and I think Baker would admit to that. You got to let your guys get set. It wasn't like the play clock was winding down. So I don't really know why he was in such a hurry to get the football snapped in those scenarios. So hopefully that stuff clears itself up uh, when you get out of a raucous environment. And I've heard from people who were there, it was deafening, like standing next to you, you couldn't hear the person talking to you type aloud. So it was a a raucous environment and a welcome back in the in the hardest kind of way for the Browns offense. So before we get to sort of, sort of the metrics of this game, I want to give...
1: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed.
0: So looking now at you know the metrics from the game, Baker, 75.1 offensive grade, 75.2 passing grade. He did take off one time on the first possession for a couple yards. It's amazing. I think his yardage over under on sportsbooks was 7.5. He ran for seven yards. You do love three big-time throws. I think the two throws to Najoku, one up the right sideline on the out and up, one on the uh, over route. And then the third big throw would have been maybe Schwartz, uh, either of the two first-half Schwartz catches. I'm not sure. He did have one turnover worthy play, which was the interception. You don't need to blame it on him. I'm not blaming it on him. It was a freak thing that happened through effort from Dan Sorensen, who's a thorn in the Brown side. His 10.1 average distance of target, which is fantastic. Adjusted completion percentage of 81.5, just one drop. He had nine uh, deep pressures. He had two sacks, both of which he had no no chance, absolutely no chance. So, yeah, those sacks, were those weren't like quarterback falter. They, they just – the tackles were beat. And we'll talk uh, with Kyle Murphy on Chalk Talk this week about those specifically. Let's dig in a little bit more on Baker. Again, the metrics are pretty solid now over 14, 15 games for Baker. He had 21 of 22 dropbacks. He had a clean pocket. The only one that he didn't attempt, I think he took off running, but he had 18 of 21 in clean pockets. So when you keep Baker clean, he's damn good. Two of his big-time throws happened in clean pockets. He was 18 of 21 for 260 yards, 9.5% big-time throw. He had 2.50 time to throw. He threw for 12 first downs in those scenarios. Again, where it gets tougher under pressure. Typically, every quarterback dips when pressure hits. Three of seven in pressure scenarios. 42.9% completion percentage. He was 3 of 7 for 61 yards, and ultimately that interception came when he was pressured. So, he has to look to get those numbers up this year. Again, though, you do like that when he was pressured, though, the average distance of target was still a 15.8. When he was not blitzed, he was 16 of 21 for 194. When he was blitzed, he was 5 of 7. Chiefs didn't blitz him a ton. He was 5 of 7 for 127, and obviously that interception came on a blitz. In play-action concepts, 9 of 9 for 160, a 95.4 grade. Two of those big-time throws came on play-action, again, where he is so deadly, dicing people up on throws 20 yards downfield, 20-plus. He was 3 of 6, completed 50%, obviously, 117 yards, a 91.1 grade. The medium area, 10 to 19, seemed to be a little bit of a problem for him, 2 for 4. 49.3 49.3 grade, they obviously attributed that interception in the 10-19 to 19 range, which lowers the grade significantly. The short area, he was 12 of 13 on throws 0 to 9 yards for 67.4 grade as well. Uh, and that's probably enough. His most effective area he threw to the field was 2 of 2 on deep right throws. Think the Schwartz throw, think the Njoku throw there before halftime at 96.3 grade. And that's good enough on Baker. I thought he played really good football. He missed some important throws, as we know. There are two throws that stand out in my mind that were missed. The, the, the They needed drives in the fourth quarter. He missed the throw to Njoku. I don't know. They came off play action. He was reading right to left. I thought, and I'll break this down in my film room of Baker later this week, I thought he could have thrown the out and up off the play action. He had Njoku uh, one-on-one with Sorensen, and I thought he was even, maybe even leaving and he could have given him that ball. He didn't. He waited in the pocket again, didn't bail. And he didn't even really seem panicked. And when he ripped it to Njoku, who was coming back toward him, he just underthrew it. It was very strange. I'm not sure what happened there. There could have been some overstriding, but he missed that one. And then as I, got, as I went back and rewatched the next drive, right before the punt that got the football to Kansas City late in the fourth, who ended up punting back to Cleveland, that drive ended on a third down, what's called bench route to um Schwartz at the left sideline and that ball that ball was not thrown well and Baker is admitted as much it was more behind him than I thought if he had put it on the sideline it was an easy pitch and catch where he had Juan Thornhill beat leaves it inside still you would like to see Schwartz go up and get it but the throw was made uh the throw made the reception extremely difficult given the guy bearing down on him from the inside so he missed those. He's got to, the thing for Baker, look, I think he played well. He came out sharp. This is the guy, a lot, a lot, a lot of the guy we saw last year, but he got, you got to go win games, man. And I know it's unfortunate what happened. You get your foot clip. I'm not blaming him. I don't think he made a turnover worthy play there. I think it just happened. But again, it's a results business and you got to go win games. And I'm sure he would admit as much too. It sucks. You can't really blame him. He didn't do a, He didn't do a dumb thing. People tell him about he should have put it in the dirt, whatever. He doesn't know someone's behind him. But, again, you're extending plays. You're lingering around in the pocket trying to press out of it. Bad things can happen. I'm not blaming him. Whatever. It's just you got to go win games, and he knows that. So uh, a pretty nice performance from Baker. I would give it a solid BB+, personally. Offensive line play. So in this game, we talk about how the Browns are wide zone, wide zone, wide zone. They ran double the amount of gap schemes, which, again, dates back to what we talked about last year where the Browns actually surpassed their uh, totals in, in gap schemes, power, counter, those sorts of concepts, guard, tackle, whatever. They pull a ton of people. They'll pull the old crossbuck stuff. They'll have fun with it. They pull GT counters. They pull GY counters with tight ends. They're they're moving people, man. They are not just a zone team. They are way more than that. They have evolved like crazy. 16 Gap schemes were run in this game. Joel Batonio was your best guy in those schemes. Strike that. Reverse it. Jack Conklin's 98.4. Phenomenal in gap schemes. 85.7 from Batonio. Treader, 70.7. Chris Hubbard had a 52.9. There's a pretty clear step down from Jedrick Wills to Chris Hubbard. Chris Hubbard's a nice fill-in guy, but that's about the extent of it, man. You're not going to get the same level of play. When Jed was playing, he was at a 67.2 gap-blocking grade, which is pretty strong, uh, especially where he was last year. Actually, I take that back. He was a 55.9 and then a 59.6 in zone. He was. I thought he was handling himself well. He made a key block on that Jarvis fly-sweep touchdown, but, you know, whatever. I just uh, would have loved to have seen him play a full game. Hopefully he's back quickly. I thought he was playing well when he was playing the same guy. Very agile. We'll talk about his pass blocking in a second. In zone schemes, Batonio is 78.4. Treader is 71.3. You had Conklin at 67.2. Najoku in four reps at 68.1. Fantastic stuff. Then you had Wills at a 59.6. You had Hubbard at a 55.3. And you had Teller at a 52.2. I did not think Wyatt Teller played a phenomenal game. I thought that he left some plays on the table, especially some pull blocks. He obviously had a couple holding calls. He had a holding call that was called. There was another one that I thought was blatantly missed. So I just did not think it was Wyatt Teller's best game, and I thought the grading reflected that. Pass-blocking reps, you had 33 from the guys who played the most snaps. You had 22 from Hubbard and 11 from Jed. So pressure's allowed. You're looking at one sack because of Conklin, one sack because of Hubbard. Those are obvious plays where chris jones beat both of those guys otherwise three pressures are allowed total by conklin three pl- pressures allowed by hubbard and then the one by teller so otherwise the other two Con- uh, batonio and treader who played phenomenal football 87.8 pass block grade for batonio 84.5 from treader then teller's 59.9 again I, i'm not overly worried about Wyatt teller he's still very strong at the point of attack does a lot of things fundamentally sound He'll be fine. I just didn't think he played his best game. 58.3 for Conklin, 42.9 for Hubbard, who I thought clearly struggled. Jed was an 80.4 and an 84.4 total pass block grade. Those, this 80.4 is true pass sets. And, again, true pass sets are those plays where imagine in your brain it's third and ten plus. So it's non-screen, non-play action, straight drop, got to anchor. The toughest of the tough pass blocks is what true pass sets are. And you're best in that performance was Batonio and Treader, 85.6, 81.2 played elite games. And I thought again, Jed Wills when he was in for his four true pass block sets, anchored one time really, really well against Chris Jones. I think he's he's good. Jed's good. Don't don't have any concern about that guy. You just got to hope he comes back healthy. Two really tough visits for Jed, where he he's out in the first series in the playoff game, comes back to Kansas City and is out in the second series or the third. I don't know what it was. It was early. Only uh Only 20 20 snaps in or so. It's tough, man. Najoku is, again, effective in pass blocking. The highest graded tight end there, 69.2. Teller, 54.2 in true pass sets. And then Conklin and Hubbard struggled, 42.0 and a 25.5. So those guys need to be a little better. Clean it up. I thought Jack Conklin, for the most part, was pretty good, especially in his traditional zone scheme stuff is where he thrives. Let's talk about wide receivers. Jarvis Landry had... Uh, the most slot snaps, he, let me try to find that grade for you guys. If I can find things, if I put them in front of me the right way. He had 15 snaps in the slot. Austin Hooper had nine slot snaps. Njoku had seven. And again, when they went three-by-one personnel, like when they needed big passing plays, it was Peoples-Jones, Najoku, sorry, Peoples-Jones, Landry, Schwartz, Njoku a backside one-on-one in what we call the X position. In this formation grouping, they would just kind of swap it. They would call, you know, gun trips left swap or something like that. That tells them to swap a player, swap Najoku with whoever. They might even call it Y swap. That's where he was playing a lot, and that was a fun matchup, and they really exploited it. He had a team best Njoku, 88.5 receiving grade, 79.7 for Schwartz, 73.9 for Chubb, caught a couple screens, 72.4 72.4 for Hooper, who I thought started the game hot. Didn't get another chance, but I thought he did his role when asked to do it. Jarvis Landry is 69.3. Kareem Hunt a 70.5. Donovan Peoples-Jones and his one target for four yards. 64.7 Harrison Bryant, two targets. He was obviously the target of that interception. He wasn't really the target. it was being thrown out of bounds, but he was the guy closest to it. And then Andy Janovich did have a drop on a ball over the middle. So uh, I do think they credited Janovich as the only guy who got a drop. Contested catches, three for Najoku, caught two of them. One for Hooper caught it. Jarvis Landry caught his one contested catch. Jonathan Peoples-Jones caught his one contested catch. Anthony Schwartz did not catch that ball we talked about just a bit ago, and Andy Janovich did not catch his uh, on the first drive. The two penalties, again, credited to Joku, but those are wrong. First downs on their catches, Jarvis Landry had three catches that resulted in first down. Hooper, Chubb, Schwartz, and Joku all had two. Those are your leaders in that department. Yak yards, Jarvis gets 52 because of that catch right before half where the Chiefs were basically playing Red Rover at the goal line just waiting for the Browns to run down the field. Kareem Hunt has 29 because of screen throws. Harrison Bryant has 15 yak yards because of the boot play that he caught early in the game. Nick Chubb, 22 because of his screen contributions. And then Njoku gets 20 yak yards in various different formats where he caught the corner or the the deep over route in the second half, and he caught that out and up up concept as well right before half. So he caught the one before half and the one right right after half uh, on that drive that put the Browns up 29-20. So those are your receiving metrics we can look at how players played against specific coverage anthony schwartz really ate up juan thornhill for 44 yards uh jarvis landry caught two of two against hitchens the, the mike linebacker then against Traverius ward he caught two of two for 20 would you like to see the Joku caught one of two against Traverius ward again that out and up and then against legerius sneed he caught the 30 yard deep over route so he's having no problem beating corners and coverage against him. And, again, I continue to say he he out-physicals those corners. Like, he needs to be involved in those. They did it, and I'm really happy they decided to do it. Austin Hooper had one catch for five yards against Mike Hughes. He had the one one catch on one target against Bolton. One catch with LeJarius Sneed there on third down for eight yards when they needed ten. They ended up going for it and actually threw him that now slant. And then otherwise, nothing really too crazy to note. So receiver-wise, yeah, I mean, Schwartz, Najoku, those are the guys who thrived. If you look at the running game, Nick Chubb gets docked for his run grade because of the fumble, which is so, so rare. He had a 71.2. Mark Kareem had a 72.8. Jarvis gets a 79.7 for his one fly sweep run. So trying to check here specifically about some of these run metrics because some of these some of these are new they have added some of these so yardage accumulated on designed runs so that was where nick led the team 83 yards on design runs 33 for uh, design yard runs for kareem uh, gap scheme 10 gap scheme runs for nick which is an uptick in five zone scheme runs three and three for kareem hunt they kind of split those nick had two runs over 10 yards Kareem had one. Nick's long on the day was 18. Kareem's long on the day was 15, uh, which is that run coming out of the goal line there when it was was late, and the Browns had it on about the one-yard line, right? Had it on the one-yard line kind of going right before half, and they turned it into a nice drive. Nick forced six missed tackles, which is fantastic. Two forced by Kareem, and that's really it. The receiving grade for both are pretty solid. They did a nice job. The pass blocking metrics were good from the backs. 81.9 from Nick, 79.6 from Kareem. That kind of wraps up that. That's that's sort of all the metrics I have to give you and, and some of the inside analysis I gave as well on, on the key players who played well, position alignments. They were at 44% by the end of the game, 11 personnel, which is just above their 40% last year. It'll be what they continue to do for the most part in the forty percent range. I I kinda had said the uptick might get them to forty five to fifty percent this year. But that's the anytime they want to get close to halftime and run like their four minute offense or something like that, they'll put out their their eleven personnel, which is what they did. Instead of Hooper though, they put Njoku in that eleven personnel. And I like that. I like that a lot. Listen, I think the Browns offense is really damn good. If Jedrick Wills comes back like we think he will, it doesn't seem to be crazy serious as far as we know it could be more serious we just have to see play it by ear even if chris hubbard plays and you got to elevate james hudson from you know a guy who's not who's not dressing for the 53 on game day, or whatever 46 or whatever the total number is you're gonna to have to elevate him even with chris hubbard it's a really good offensive line they're going to continue to run the football well if they stay healthy in their play action which as we know looking at the metrics is what baker is so good at they're going to continue to dice people up. I have not watched the Texans game, so I will I will key in on that, see what they do well defensively, what they don't do well. There's about 17 Cleveland Browns coming back, former Cleveland Browns in this game, so it should be interesting from that perspective. Again, Thursday night as I get back from Dallas will be the night to check out film. We will have it after I will have a show that is on after uh, the Browns, or sorry, our OBR weekly show. So I will do Baker film, and then I will do uh, Kyle Murphy. I'll spend some time with him looking at seven or eight offensive line plays, and then I will also try to have John Stephenson on to talk about some defense coverage stuff, some plays to look at. So that's what's coming. Hopefully you enjoyed today's offensive analysis and enjoyed my notes, scouting notes, all that stuff. I will have more and more. As I'm not as busy as I was this week, I will have more time to break this down. And it looks like I have a clear path to all 22 faster, which, again – allows me to give you better insights. So I just got it like three hours before this podcast. So hoping to get it earlier and earlier to give you better breakdowns of what I thought happened. So check out my Twitter feed. You will see some plays that I like to pinpoint. And, again, there will be an Anthony Schwartz write-up uh, available for you tomorrow as I talk about his performance in his NFL debut. Thanks for joining us today. Have a great, great, uh, great Wednesday. Continue to to crush the week, as I'm sure you all have, and spreading the word about this podcast is always nice. Appreciate all your support. Make sure you check out the OBR Twitch over the coming days with Not the Same Old Browns tonight, and then tomorrow, again, OBR Weekly and some chalk talk that we missed from the other day. Catch up on all that stuff and get some film in your face, and then we'll start talking about the Texans a little bit too as we turn the page. So we're working at the OBR to clear up our schedule based on how things shake out with NFL content availability. We'll get that ironed out, but no matter what, We're always going to go live at 7 o'clock almost every single day of the week, except for Saturday and Sunday. Saturday we go live with our prospect show at 11 o'clock before college football kickoff, and then we do Sunday our pregame whenever the time is right for that. We will be informing you of all of it. Thanks for joining today's OBR Film Breakdown and checking this one out. Spread the word, as I said earlier. All your positive feedback is fantastic. I will have a guest on with me tomorrow, so you won't just hear my bland voice. You'll get somebody else. Thanks for joining me today. If you have any questions about the offense, hit up my DMs as usual, or shoot me a request at the uh, Ask the Insider section. I will go into even more detail there for you if you're a subscriber. I'll provide whatever you're looking for. Thanks for joining, and as usual, guys, have a great day. Go Browns.